Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> Justice League. What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. One thing I can tell you is you got to be free. My turn. Come together. Shall we? It's good to see you playing well with others again. Just like a bat. I dig it. Maybe temporary. With us are some lovely people and regular guests. Mr. Brendan Agnew of Synapse. Good evening, morning, afternoon, and good night. Mr. Karu Nagisa. Yeah! And <laughs> and also Debbie Morse, both of Sequentially Yours. Hello! Hello. And also Sharon Shaw, my wife and co-host, the one person among us who hasn't yet seen it, and who shall be our avatar for the listeners who haven't yet sprung for a ticket. Good evening. It's been a long time coming, and everyone listening probably already knows the score. The movie we finally got to see was based on a revised edit of the first half of Zack Snyder's planned two-part follow-up to Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice. He decided to drop out of the post-edit due to a genuinely tragic family loss, and for that reason we, along with most of the other decent critics, are going to go as easy as possible on Mr. Snyder himself, uh, on a personal level, especially after the beatdown he got last year. So, you all know the issues with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and in fact, Zack Snyder's oeuvre. We have illuminated them well, and you may also already know that a lot of those issues have been somewhat mitigated by his replacement director, or second unit director, or co-director, or sub-director, micro-director. Mr. Fix-It. Yeah, Joss Whedon, who was responsible for some reshoot material as DC Warner course-corrected to transform Snyder's vision into something more palatable and blockbuster-friendly after their not entirely monetarily failures last year, but definitely in terms of critical acclaim and, and, and just general pleasure with the films on, on a grand scale, fairly dismal, as we accounted for. That, that includes Suicide Squad as well. Uh, but this year, they had good good things said about Wonder Woman, so uh, if there was any doubt that they should head at least in a, in a brighter direction and that that was uh, hammered home uh, with uh, Wonder Woman. Should have brought Patty Jenks in to fix it. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait a few years. That's, uh, I mean, mm. not necessarily to fix it, but... I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Justice League Two needs to be directed by Patty Jenkins. I'll say that straight out of the gate. We've we've lost Joss Whedon, Russo brothers. So two films have become one. One film augmented with extra scenes of human interaction, recolor graded to make it bright and comic bookish. Reams, reams of footage containing scenarios we can only speculate on at the moment were left on the cutting room floor as DC cut their losses and pushed through with the event that they have been dancing around for decades the Justice League movie so how is this film to watch I'm going to open up the floor there uh, and I'm going to ask in, in, term, in comparison with three movies Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman and The Avengers 
so go for it. Um, I would say that it's most like watching a live-action version of the cartoon, except if it forgot that the cartoons were good. I mean, uh, if you've ever seen the uh, the Justice League War animated movie that they made back in 2012 or 2013, oh, it was yeah. like right around the launch of the New 52. Justice like, League they tried War? to make a... Yeah, Justice League I War. showed it to uh, Sharon and Lyra again yesterday to, to acclimatize Sharon to certain things like the parademons. And in fact, it's it's very similar in, um, in in what actually happens. It's just that it switches Darkseid out for Steppenwolf. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot like that, and that that would not have been my uh, that would not have been my bar to set, but oh, okay. It's a wholly not bad movie. It's not Wonder Woman. It's not the Avengers. But it's leaps and bounds better than Beavis Dodge from literally the very first seconds. And it's... <clears throat> I don't know. It, you can see the seams. The seams are very, very obvious here. It's kind of a clutch in the sense that they really want to save their extended universe. And they needed to get something out. And they would rather do something that was okay then do nothing or do something that was terrible and that's kind of what we ended up with with Justice League it's I mean with Avengers Avengers was so carefully crafted and they spent years literally years prepping for this and setting up each of the characters most of the characters and getting you to care about them and and even up to you know the famous scene you know the, the swirling shot of all of them assembled you know, that that was a wholly earned shot. And it's, I, I've said it numerous times, but DC wants so badly, they want that shot and what that represents, but they don't want to do the work to get to it. Marvel, to their credit, you know, when none of us really, I don't think any of us really believed what Marvel was going to be when they say, you know, okay, this phase one, phase two, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they put the work in and they did it. And DC is like, oh, we can do this, we can! And boom, jumped ahead to the success. Oh, wait. Crap. We're not remotely set up for this. I remember saying back when Man of Steel came out and they, they laid down their slate for it's going to be after this, Batman v Superman, then Wonder Woman, then Suicide Squad then Justice League. I remember, first off, the Suicide Squad thing irked me greatly, because it was like, right, you guys have got a couple of years between now and then. You have got to lay down a ton of stuff. You are wasting one of your key opportunities with fucking Suicide Squad. I knew that back then. It's so galling being the Cassandra on this one. <laughs> I was going to ask about that, actually. Given that Suicide Squad is is effectively, if you're looking at these as pieces of world building, this is your lay down of your government organisations and your antagonists, if not outright villains. Does anybody from Suicide Squad, Amanda Waller, does anybody turn up? <laughs> oh, no, That's not at all. They're, 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 nothing, no. Suicide Squad may as well not have happened. <clears throat> They wanted to do their own Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Let's take a quirky bunch of outsiders and make that a huge film. And Task Force X is not the Guardians of the Galaxy. 
But not, not uh, it, it almost seems like that, that was a reaction to the rumblings from Sony of we're going to do our own Sinister Six. And it's like, well, we've got a Suicide Squad. Um, Would anybody else like to put something with the initials SS out there? The issue with Suicide Squad is that, like, to begin with, you need to already know these guys in passing and go, oh, it's kind of interesting when they're actually kind of fighting on this side. But if you don't know them, you don't. You they haven't been care. established... No, 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 it's not just that you don't care. They're the heroes, or the anti-heroes of the film, so they're not even the villains. They're just asshole protagonists. What a bunch of a-holes. Everybody knows Harley Quinn and Will Smith, so... (laughs) (laughs) This is Katana. She's got my back. She can cut all you in half with one sword stroke, just like mowing the lawn. I would advise not getting killed by her. Her sword traps the souls of its victims. Bunch of hot topic poses. I thought of Aquaman. I really wish there'd been an Aquaman movie. I thought of Cyborg. I oh, there really needed to have been a setup movie for this guy, so that we were like, right, I know who Cyborg is. And with the Flash, mm-hmm. the way Barry was presented, I don't like him or think he's anywhere near as funny as anyone who's actually funny in the Marvel films. But he was that kind of funny guy. <laughs> Who, yes. who who kept things? You kept puncturing the uh, the balloon. That that um, essay that I talked about last week. The whole um, uh, all jokes all the time. That definitely applies to the way that Barry is in this. Like he turns up, he makes jokes, and he ensures that it doesn't get pretentious. Uh, it also doesn't allow you to really emotionally engage with him, which is what a Flash movie would really have served. They rushed this. Yeah. I said they were rushing this years ago, <laughs> and they rushed it. You could have introduced Superman and Batman in this. Man of Steel should have been Wonder Woman. Front and center, led with Wonder Woman, exactly as Patty Jenkins did. Interestingly, around the time Man of Steel was being made, Patty Jenkins was busy on a Marvel property. It was a film she ultimately walked from, and I so wish she'd stuck around because it might have ended up being really good. Instead, they got on a workaday guy who delivered the most perfunctory of all Marvel films. It was Thor The Dark World. So after the DCEU kicked off with Wonder Woman to suggest, hey, we're not just going to go with Batman and Superman anymore. This is our new flagship hero, Wonder Woman. After that, a Flash movie, an Aquaman movie, a Cyborg movie, and then you got your, your big guns, like the people that everyone's paying to see, Superman and Batman, you save them for your Justice League. And then, and I said this to Sharon the other day, you have your Superman and Batman-focused story of them clashing afterwards. Because then, you've already got your handle on the, those characters. They've got a rapport. You've got a balance that you can unbalance. That's your civil war. That's how you do it. You don't just start with them complete strangers hating each other. These are the two characters that need no introduction. But because you spent the time on these other characters, you kind of even the score that allows an audience to shape their idea of how this world works, and then you fit in the classic Superman and Batman characters that everybody knows, and you show them working off against these now already known characters. And the Avengers already did this with their version of Banner and the Hulk because Ruffalo doesn't play it like Ed Norton at all. You don't need to have seen The Incredible Hulk to take on board this new version of Banner, even though they are technically supposed to be the same guy. 
I think, though, that, that requires a very specific uh, vision of a story to push through with and everybody working towards the same narrative. Now, something that struck me today when we were watching some of those... Um, clips. cool clips? Yeah. Is that... And, and this, is, this is not a dig at Zack Snyder personally, but it is a dig at the way he tells stories. He seemed to have a very particular idea about how he wanted to present superheroes. They gave him Watchmen, mm. and he did it. Mm. And he said everything he needed mm. to say in Watchmen. Mm. And his style and the, the story that he wanted to tell fit perfectly for Watchmen. The problem is that now he's trying to tell that same story over and over again with a different set of characters. And it's not working. Well, not just a different set of characters. We're a set of characters that really need to be built up in, in a way that's different to how they've been served so far. Not only does he seem to think that Watchmen and the, the DC superheroes are, are the same, like, I'm, I'm not sure if anyone in charge of overseeing him on the project understood how antithetical they are, mm. even to the point of everyone using the Dark Knight Returns as reference points for Dawn of Justice, like, that is also a massive deconstruction of superheroes and starting your your shared universe with a deconstruction is just bad storytelling. And I really kind of think that it just poisoned the well going forward. But, but the deconstruction works... <laughs> Because everybody accepts, like you say, that, that everybody kind of knows what it is they're taking apart. But yes, when you go back, you need to re-establish, okay, this isn't the deconstruction anymore. We're, we're now telling the actual story. Okay, so go ahead and tell that story. But then the story is not forthcoming. It's a group of scenes, some of which are great, some of which are not so good, but scenes that are loosely knit together. Zack Schneider, I think, was always a bad choice for Superman. He's a very vocal objectivist, and that is as diametrically opposed to Superman as possible. Yeah. Which is why you which is why these movies are constantly trying to convince us that Superman is an inspiration or specifically in Jonathan Kent is the one who convinced him to be a good person when Jonathan Kent is not doing that, like on screen. Yeah. The I idea like bringing up the idea that maybe you should care about your own safety rather than the safety of others is a very objectivist way of thinking, mm. which is antithetical to who Superman is, who is an altruist. Absolutely. I said to Alex this afternoon, I just wish they'd stop saying the Superman because it's <clears throat> it's just a breath away from the Ubermensch. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's Superman. That's his name. Yeah. <laughs> But this is, got, this is on Warner, ultimately. They could have put the brakes on as soon as Man of Steel turned out the way it was and everyone was like, this is um, cold and alien and distant and we don't like it. And the, uh, um, the, the, the 300, what is it, 3911s that uh, We Hate Movies said. Mm-hmm. That the, 75. 75 911s that the, uh, <laughs> NC, the third act entails uh, is, is troubling. And they could, of course, correct it then. Instead, they meddled with and tried to make uh, Dawn of Justice too many things at once, introducing Wonder Woman. Uh, I think I, I, I theorised that um, originally it was going to be Batman, Batman v Superman, so it was going to introduce the new Batman, which is obviously going to be a big seller. Uh, but they, they put it out on a... Uh, they, they set the release date. Then Marvel, behaving like cocks, I might add, 
said, right, our Captain America 3 is going to be the same day. Your move, DC. Which is a douchebag move. Cheers, Marvel. Yeah. So DC put it forward by an extra couple of weeks. And yeah. then when they realized it was Civil War and they were going to have Iron Man as well and then Spider-Man... They blew their load of uh, of Wonder Woman straight away. I mean, the, the, Bob Chipman's theorized repeatedly that uh, Wonder Woman's clearly supposed to be positioned as a surprise in that movie, uh, but they stuck her, you know, front and center in the uh, the uh, the pre advertising, just to, to add an extra string to their bow. Because you know, they're going up against the third Captain America film, and those like all the Avengers are in it, and they've all been like well crafted up to now. They need more selling points. That, by which point, Guardians had come out and they'd taken a bunch of complete nobodies and turned them into superstars, which may have led DC to go, well, you know, if they can make a fucking tree and a talking raccoon into, like, you know, well-known superheroes suddenly in an overnight, we can surely make Aquaman well-known. Uh, so, so maybe James Gunn made this in a cave out of a bunch of scraps. <laughs> the, whole point, the whole point of Guardians is that they're unknowns. So they they went in with the whole um, uh, idea on Suicide Squad of well, these guys are mostly unknown as well, so we can just do that as well, and we'll make it sort of blackly humorous. But then Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad and then Justice League were the most meddled with of their five so far. The two least medal with, Man of Steel and Wonder Woman, feel like films rather than marketing ploys. With Man of Steel, they gave Zach carte blanche to do whatever his film was because they wanted to repeat the success of The Dark Knight. They wanted this to be not just for kids. And he made a film that wasn't just for kids. I still have no idea how Patty Jenkins managed to make Wonder Woman. It defies all logic within that system. Absolutely, and part of the problem <laughs> with the concept of the course correction is you have to have a course to correct to. What they seem to be working on the principle of is they know what they don't want. They don't want whatever it is the audience squawks at them about, but they don't know what they do want. They haven't got a specific direction and a particular line that they want to follow. They've got phase three as profit. That's mm. what they're aiming towards, but they have no idea how they're going to get there. They also seem to be labouring under, under the apprehension, at least they were, until more recently we definitely don't want to be Marvel and I'm not here to talk about the, the many many strengths of Marvel you guys already know them but uh, that there's ways of looking at your opponents and respecting their strengths and looking at what they do right and learning from them mm. what was it the, uh, the 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 best thing you can have in the world is a, a, a worthy friend the second best thing is a worthy opponent that's really good. I like that. It sounds like something Sun Tzu would have said. It might actually have been in uh, Justice League War. I could be wrong. It's something we saw in the last, last couple of days. It would appear that they've gone right, so we'll, we'll get in Joss Whedon. That He's like, you know, pretty much Marvel wishes they could have Joss Whedon back. Um, I actually wonder if that was the smartest plan. They might have been better off getting somebody who was a good workaday director who didn't particularly need to put their own stamp on it. Uh, Ron Howard. 
<laughs> yeah. It, it feels like they wanted safe bets at this stage. They, they were like, damage, damage control, damage control. We've got two movies. We want to turn them into one. Right, who's a safe bet in terms of directing? Joss Whedon. He will make something very much like the Avengers. Make this into Avengers. It's close enough anyway in shape. Just shape it. Make Just do the finishing touches and make it an Avengers. Who's good? Who's a good workaday uh, guy who's dependable for scoring well Danny Elfman he's already got the Batman score we'll get him in he can trot out some uh, some famous Batman cues people will like that it's nice work a day by the way can, can anyone hum me the Justice League theme oh god no probably, uh, probably shouldn't have uh, hired Danny Elfman then okay so yeah Danny Elfman's made some great themes in his time but this ain't one of them I, can't, I don't know what it is then again, I didn't know what the Spider-Man Homecoming theme was before, and now I totally do. It's... Love it. You need to see things a couple of times for the music cues to sink in sometimes. But I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, if, they, if they think Joss Whedon was a safe bet, they haven't been paying attention. Yeah. Well, no, he was a safe bet a month ago. Well, no, he wasn't. <laughs> his... He, his Stock dropped considerably after Age of Ultron. Yeah, true. Sorry. Even with that, I I think that I mean he was a safe bet for what they wanted, yeah. but what they wanted was not necessarily what that movie needed. Mm. Because well, I mean for for one thing, I and and I'm really not here to bash Zack Snyder. Like I will go to bat for a lot of his early movies, but. I'm really curious as to why they kept doubling down on him because the last time he made a no asterisks actual huge hit for Warner Brothers was 10 years ago. Like 300? 300. Yeah. Yeah, 300 was a big hit. Which Everything was very after that was cheap either... as well. Exactly. Everything after that was either uh, an actual bomb or a or a not like bomb but Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice Warner Brothers thought they had billion dollar hits on their hands with those movies and with dawn of justice they should have like that that should have made a billion dollars if it hadn't been you know awful but i i don't know why they went okay well man of steel didn't work we have to meddle with batman v superman and we're doing a lot of meddling with this let's get the exact same guy back again for justice league and before we even know what the reactions to this are, let's go deep into pre-production and start filming a week after it opens. Mm-hmm. That's just really bizarre. If, if there's anything that they seem to uh, to keep demonstrating, and I'm talking about the DC producers at this point, and whether this extends and is simply the Warner Brothers producers, and I could say that's likely, but they didn't do it with Harry Potter... Um, is they don't seem to be able to have faith in the people they hire to direct their movies. Mind you, I suppose they left Patty Jenkins alone. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that they're backing the hell off Patty Jenkins and allowing her to do her own thing. Having said that, it was the least meddled with, but Patty Jenkins kind of meddled with it herself. Like the, It was written by Zack and Deborah Snyder. Mm. And clearly, and this is a point that comes up in Justice League, which I might add on a side note, if any of you folks really love Justice League and are feeling upset because we're not loving on it, it's okay to like Justice League. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter going, well, just, you know, can you just let us enjoy it? Of course. Of course you could enjoy it. It's fine. It's a fine enough distraction for a couple of hours. And even if it wasn't, even if it was an utter turd, it's okay. If you like it, that's fine. Yeah, same as with Beavis Dodge, if you Absolutely like Beavis, Beavis Dodge. Just um, the, the only people I have a, a, an issue with are the extremely obnoxious DC fans, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. It's yeah. not you guys. You, you, those guys don't listen to my show, and good. 
though they do comment on my YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) Patty Jenkins clearly changed the end of Wonder Woman so that Diana, on losing Steve, didn't lose hope carried on working in a more subtle, quiet way in the shadows, doing what she could. You know, we may find out more about what, we almost certainly will find out more about what Diana has been doing in the hundred years in between. However, what's referred to in Justice League was clearly what Zack Snyder wrote for Wonder Woman in Batman v Superman, what Zack Snyder wrote for Wonder Woman in the original script, and what Zack Snyder wrote in Justice League, which is she gave up hope. She thought, oh, screw mankind. But she couldn't go home because she was told by her mum, once you leave, you can't come back. It's the rules that I've just made up, which is the only bumble <laughs> in Wonder Woman. Um, but, but this film kind of contradicts that. So one of the weird things about watching Justice League is that it requires you to know what's happened in the previous films and have watched Batman v Superman and have watched Wonder Woman and at the same time kind of forget the specifics because it's asking you to believe a new reality a lot of the time a less good reality than the one you've just seen so it's like you know what I'm going to carry on considering Wonder Woman to be canon thank you very much indeed I'm going to say that that's linked to Wonder Woman saying that what Batman wants is for her to lead the team and she's you know not comfortable doing that. Yeah. I think that I think that she's still that we can still take Jenkins that Jenkins' idea that she's still working quietly and whatnot, and what Batman is blaming her for is not stepping up and being the inspiration that Superman we are continually told was. And that's the other thing. That's the part of Batman v Superman that you asked to conveniently forget, which is the world sucks now, and it was so much better when Superman was doing his thing, as opposed to. The world sucks in uh, Man of Steel. The world sucks even more in Batman v Superman, which means that Superman's actually doing worse. bad. So, yeah. Superman is doing his job badly and making the world worse. So so just hang on a moment. Am, am I to understand that he is basically telling off the woman um, for not standing at the front and catching all the limelight, but instead simply working quietly behind the scenes to make sure shit gets done? Uh-oh. I think so. I think that's because that sounds that sounds a little bit familiar. (laughs) (laughs) That was an odd scene to watch because I it it reads kind of similarly to how um, I don't know if anyone's read the the excerpts from Joss Whedon's like twelve years old Wonder Woman, but Mm -hmm. it reads very similarly to Steve Trevor like trying to tell off Diana and be like, well, hey, you shouldn't be cutting yourself off from, and basically Steve Trevor mansplainer. Mm. Um, only in this, they substitute in, you know, the Batmansplainer to do the mansplaining. Nice. And it's not handled quite as poorly, uh, especially because her response is to, instead of like, you know, change, she just punches him for it because of being a dick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of odd and awkward and, and it, it is. There's so many things that you're asked to just forget. Like Batman keeps acting like you know he really liked Clark, and it's like you tried to kill him. Like you a had lot. a spear in his face. <laughs> you hated him. Yeah. I- also, are you honestly telling me, Bruce, that if I stood in front of you and told you what to do, you'd listen to me? Hmm. The, <laughs> I did like the fact that that Bruce was clearly 
repentant for, for the, the, the shit that had gone down, for how it had gone down. He blames himself. It was something that really could have been like explored throughout the whole movie. The idea that Batman is, for the first time in his life, uncertain. And that's the thing about Batman. He's always certain about everything. And he could have been just talking to Alfred, then talking to Diana about that. You know, I, I, I honestly, I fucked up. And I don't know how to make this right. So that when it does come to, we can bring him back, then he seizes upon it. That, like, pushes that into overdrive. Like, I, that is, it's there. It's there in the way that Batman branding people so that they would get killed in jail is seen as a dark path. And then by the end, he corrects his course because he's inspired by Superman. Is there in Batman v Superman. But it's not a major theme. It's not explored. It's not a character arc, really. Also, from the sounds of things, Batman only needs to be 1% certain of anything to be... If there's even a 1% chance that we can bring him back. Wait a minute, Bruce. You said that last time. Yeah. He is really bad at math, is really what it boils down to. He has no idea... What does a banana cost? Ten dollars? That's... (laughs) You never understood money, did you, Batman? I don't want to let Batman do my risk assessments. (laughs) Nice. One thing I will say about uh, Batman in this movie that I quite liked is that you actually get to see him being kind to other people occasionally. Yes. Uh, which I quite liked. I, I liked uh, him and him and Barry. Just save one person. I liked that bit. Me too. It was it was nice. Yeah, and what you think about it, you haven't really seen that from Batman since what the animated series. Hmm. Uh, he's kind of kind I mean, to that kid bit... that he gives a deadly weapon to in uh, Batman Begins. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Have a weaponized flare, child. <laughs> <laughs> there are pieces that feel where, like, okay, maybe getting Joss Whedon was the right guy because there's there's a scene that's very obviously something that he did after the fact where it's after the whole argument about, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm feeling guilty where you're guilty about Steve Trevor and, and then, like, their makeup scene later is... Like at least at first, I was a little bit worried that it was going to get to ooh sexy times and and it's so it's I. actually yeah it's actually not too uh, too shippy which was kind of a relief but it's also they really kind of deal with the whole you can't do this forever I can barely do it now like hmm. it just it there's there's kernels of of Batman trying to find the road back to hope that. I mean, if this had been given an actual screenplay by someone, you know, one, just one person who who had a story to tell, um, you can really see where they could have nailed something because there are bits that are like, that actually works. That makes sense for the character. That makes sense for what just happened. And then you swerve into Henry Cavill's mustache mouth or into the next part where the movie is like, as you know, the world was so much better before really though <laughs> and it's it's just so jarring every or or just the tonal changes like i i love the the save one person barry allen scene but that's like surrounded by steppenwolf murdering hostages snapping necks yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like dan olsen mentioned i don't know if you guys have ever actually watched folding ideas Many times. Mm-hmm. One of our favorite, actually. One of our favorite channels. He is so on point about editing. Um, the art of editing and Suicide Squad is an absolute <laughs> must see, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was talking about just the, these these wretched tone shifts while Barry's cracking jokes and doing the Joss Whedon thing in Joss Whedon's film. Just off camera is Zack Snyder's film where uh, Steppenwolf is cracking skulls. 
And it, yeah, you want to talk about Bethos? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as I said I had some issues with the with the humor in Ragnarok, it fits so much better than here, which <laughs> Barry Allen is in a different movie clearly. Yeah. Than anybody else. He's also Wally West in this movie for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's like when Wally turns up, he's going to be Bobcat Goldthwait. That's how wacky he's going to have to be to differentiate himself. <laughs> If, if they had done a Flash movie first, they could have made Wally the main character of the Flash movie, have Barry have been around two, three years, have Wally be our point of view character as Kid Flash, have Barry yeah. die by the end of that movie, yeah. and then Wally is now the Flash, and then we move into this. And that would have worked. I suppose, yeah. If, 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 yeah. if your version yeah. of the of Flash has to be the funny one, why, like... Maybe maybe just have Wally be the first Flash so that you can then bring in a more serious Barry Allen Flash later. Just switch him around, you know? Yeah. Wally doesn't necessarily have to have been inspired by a direct Flash. And if it was, Jay Garrick. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, because you ain't using Jay Garrick anytime soon, so just you may as well. But, um... Oh, God, that would require Amanda Waller to turn up at the end of a Batman film and say, you think you're the only superhero? It feels like like such a scattergun series of missed opportunities. I'm trying to keep this one uh, focused, but it, there isn't enough film for us to get our teeth into as to talk about why, what the issues are with Justice League. It feels like, you know, I've been, uh, when I was doing Movie A Day, I was doing a lot of, like, kind of fan edits and go, I went through the whole of Bad Boys 2 and cut out 45 minutes of shit like 45 minutes of the, the racist jokes and the homophobic jokes and the, the stuff which goes absolutely nowhere and the stuff where it's like oh I, I remember that thing going into my ass and it scared me so much and everyone's staring going oh he means his cock and it's a bullet um, but I, I made Bad Boys 2 into actually not as good a film as Bad Boys 1 but a film you can watch and not feel Terrible. sick. Uh, it feels like it's possible that Joss Whedon did something along those lines. He just kind of trimmed off the edges, just removed all the bits of Batman saying something so horrible that you wouldn't be able to scrub it from your mind. It could be that the original script, the original version of this, really was um, less harsh and jagged. That The whole point was supposed to be that Batman v Superman was the dark, dark world, and this was the you know coming back out of that. We, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out more and uncovering it later on because it's kind of fascinating that this turned out to be what it was and I, I wonder how much of everything else got, got filmed especially because it's fairly clear that Superman wasn't supposed to be in this film originally yeah, or at yeah. least not the way he was like I, I would bet you real money that Superman was was evil and that he was like going to wear the black costume and they were going to have to fight him sometime during the like similar to what happens in Justice League War where he's being controlled by Darkseid mm. I would bet you money that that some version of that happens like you have stuff like Harry Cavill Instagramming the black costume you have Heroes oh, yeah. Park initially being set at night and involving tanks and being a completely different sort of thing to the version that we get in the new movie and then you can also see where they dropped in mustacheless Harry Cave, Henry Cavill into scenes where they were completely different. Like the the him standing in the field in Kansas hmm. uh, was probably originally it, the dream that the trailer makes it look like hmm. instead of being when he's alive again, which is what happens in the movie. But you go from 
regular Henry Cavill to surprise, I have the thumb mouth now. Yeah. Like, like have you have you guys ever seen the like thumb wars where they have like oh, someone's yeah. thumb and they put a mouth on it? That, that's what it looks like, and it's literally the first shot of the movie. It's unfortunate. Shaman compared it to something Adam and Joe used to do. They took Star Wars figures and they stuck annoying orange style versions of their mouths on the Star Wars figures, the vintage kind, and they would have little chatty conversations. It was like very, very early robot chicken. This effect is so horrible and so jarring. It, I, I don't want to say it ruins the movie for me, but it makes it not even feel like a movie. And it makes Henry Cavill's Superman not even feel like he was there. Now, my beef here is not specifically with the makers of uh, Justice League. It's kind of, it roots to Paramount. Because what actually happened, folks, was uh, Henry Cavill finished his shooting on Justice League parts one and two. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and guess he wasn't in part one. He was hinted strongly at by the end. But then he actually comes back to life in part two, wearing the black costume and does fight them in footage that we will maybe not see till some super special edition Blu-ray when it's not going to affect canon. Um, And he went and started doing Mission Impossible, grew a push broom moustache because they wanted that kind of villain. Then when they needed him to come back and they were like, right, we're going to turn this into one movie, but we also need to get Superman back on the playing field and be actually Superman. That means we're going to need Henry Cavill without a moustache. And Paramount said, no, he's our actor. We have him right now. We own him. We own his ass. We want that moustache. His Uh, moustache is in the contract. Yeah. Um, And rather than shaving off the moustache and then putting on a really good, uh, you know, uh, false moustache, not like um, that uh, Sue Storm's hair in the Fanforstic, which is obviously a wig, but like a really good moustache. Rather than doing that with Mission Impossible... Um, they allowed Henry Cable to do with the, all the Superman scenes, and then they put a digital mouth over his regular mouth. Some people were saying on Twitter, "Oh, that was why his mouth was like that." I was like, "I, I didn't realize this wasn't common knowledge." For me, this is this is a, this is a game breaker for me because when you put enough CG into a character, you take away that character. Um, Crispin Glover in the Alice in Wonderland film has an entirely CGI body, and it's Crispin Glover's head on a big wobbly body. He's not real. He's not really a person. It's a horrible, disgusting, floppy body. It's not him. It's, he's not real. They, uh, Governor Tarkin in uh, Rogue One, you're like, ah, oh, it's Tarkin, but he's not really Tarkin. And I, I, I can never accept him as an actual real character interacting with other characters. That Princess Leia at the end, it's not at all the same as Andy Serkis playing Gollum or Andy Serkis playing Caesar or Andy Serkis playing Kong or Roger Rabbit. In all those cases, they're a creature or stylized. This is a waxwork of a human being with a digitally controlled face and a floppy polygonal body not bound by the laws of physics. And we have... Certain parts of our brain can detect when something's off, and mine go off like sirens. I talked about digital doubles on the uh, extra material of the Fifth Element episode, but I went through my top to bottom ten. Flynn. You had major issues with the the Peggy Carter scene in Winter Soldier. Yeah. And that's probably one of the better... No, it's it's it's, it's a fantastic dramatic scene, but it's it's ruined for drama because they basically put Hayley Atwell's mouth and eyes into the face of an old woman. And I can never unsee that. Rather than just making her up to be an old woman, they, they, they copied and pasted and went, yeah, that looks good enough. That'll fool everyone. They could do it, and so they did do it. And with Superman, 
in the exact same way as Peter Jackson convinced Warner Brothers to invest in the technology to have Ian McKellen be present at the dinner table with the dwarves while he was actually in a green room on the other side of the set driving Ian McKellen insane. The technology was there, they invested in the technology, and even though it didn't work, they were going to bloody well do it. Same as with high frame rate, same as with this insistence on Peter Jackson's part that high frame rate would be the best way to see The Hobbit. Because it was there. Because they could do it. It didn't matter to them, until they get loads of bad press, that it looks like shit. It looks like absolute fucking shit, and I never believed for a second that that was actually Henry Cavill, Superman, on screen. And yet every fibre of my being was willing that to be the real Superman, because of the way he's positioned. Because it's like... They never actually did that, but it would have felt authentic had they done that. Because that part of his face is false, because Superman is now part robot, like the Eradicator, and because he's so, like, cartoonishly ripped, really the only part of his body that looks like it might be real is his forehead and his eyes, (laughs) perhaps. That's not even Henry Cavill's real forehead! But (laughs) But the worst part of it is... There's such an easy out on this. And it was so... It was right there, and they didn't take it. Give him a beard. Go, okay, we can't yeah. shift... The, she can't shift the moustache. Say Superman was alive down there the whole time and was in a, a Kryptonian stasis of... Like, just have that explained by Batman in one line. Well, thank God for the Kryptonian um, life coma. Uh, and so he, his, his long hair had grown almost mullety. Um <laughs> while he was uh, underground and, and he'd grown a beard and so when he wakes up boom and he's like all like you know stripped to the waist and he's super ripped he's also got a long straggly beard and long hair and he's like Ugh! so that when he is kicking their asses you get a full-throated serious dramatic performance from Henry Cavill and you can see the vulnerability and hurt in his eyes and the confusion and you can see a man where you had previously only seen a statue and that would have been brilliant and then at the end when he turns up and be- kicks the shit out of um, Steppenwolf, still got the beard because he hasn't had time to shave. And if you say, well, technically Superman just needs to look at him and go bzz, bzz, with his uh, heat vision, technically, yeah, he would have had time to shave. But let's go for performance over effects here. And then for the final establishing shot of the Justice League stood all together, doesn't have to be on that day, can be on a different day, then, and only then, do you do the let's get rid of his whole moustache he doesn't have to say anything that way it looks good and you can have him running off and like boom up up and away zoom like that he never has to say anything it's fine we'll all buy that this thing they did with his mouth fucked the whole movie for me not in a oh it's ruined now but in a kind of well I'm never going to be able to unsee that and thank you Paramount you have tattooed that on the Justice League forever cheers for that this fun bit of constructive speculative sarcasm about batman v superman from jenny nicholson actually kind of came true in this movie justice league issue number one henry cavill 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 i was gonna look this up before i started i'm gonna look it up right now 
Henry Cavill can't act his way out of a soggy paper bag. Henry Cavill did this cute thing on his Instagram. He stood in Times Square under a Batman v Superman poster and waited to see if anybody recognized him and nobody did. This was supposed to be like a joke on the Clark Kent thing. I'm gonna be real with you, I did not recognize him either. He's literally unrecognizable because he is smiling. I don't know if you noticed, but Superman's face doesn't move. A huge focal point of the movie is all these characters debating whether he's a scary inhuman alien. Every time we see him, it's perfect, flawless, alien, symmetrical face is fixed into what I can only describe as a lukewarm scowl. He basically looks like he thought about being mad and then he couldn't remember what that feels like. Now I'm not stupid, I know they can't recast Superman, they already had a whole movie with him. My solution is to use a little bit of animatronic rigging to attach prosthetic eyebrows onto his face. A team of engineers can maneuver these eyebrows throughout each scene in order to help Superman register different emotions such as anger, fear, joy, surprise, or sadness. Alternatively, they could just throw in a line to explain his deficiency. Maybe in a scene where he visits home, Ma Kent could say something like, I know it's been hard for you since that accident on the farm. Y'all ain't never been able to move your face right. Then the audience would just feel bad for Superman. Well, feel free to check my math, but doesn't your fingernails and hair keep growing after you die? Like, just... That would make sense. Just the beard, even if it weren't like a super long Gandalf beard, just the same thing he had in Man of Steel. Yeah. That would which just brings scientifically it back to his, make sense. Yeah, exactly. Which brings it back to him just before he became Superman again. So there's even a thematic cohesion there. He, he has to learn how to be Superman Bingo. again. Bingo. Oh, my goodness. From scratch. Yeah. I just fixed your movie, Joss. <laughs> You're I mean, it, okay, it wouldn't have fixed everything else that is humdrum about this film, because that's a good word for it. It's not fucked, it's not seriously botched. The best word I could really find for it is, because of the lack of anyone's arcs or development, empty. It's just kind of a big-ass fight and a series of meetings. I can feel the shape under the surface of larger things afoot, but I can also feel the drain as those things were removed. It's a film that's been averaged out. It's had the peaks and troughs hammered flat. And I'm at the stage now with DC that I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I've got a section nearer the end for us to talk to speculate on what the fuck DC could do right now. Because obviously whatever we say is probably going to be unlike what actually happens. By this point, frankly, it, it lighter fluid. Destroy nuke it from orbit, it's the only way to be sure. sure. I I think I think they're gonna well, they're gonna I've said what I think they're gonna and they never do what I think they're gonna, so I'm not gonna Exactly what I mean about up. it's not gonna happen. But honestly yeah. they'll keep Wonder Woman no matter what thing, happens. Yeah, no no no, that's what I was gonna say. The smart thing to do at this point would be to take the Wonder Woman film and go, right, we're starting again. <laughs> They'll probably keep Ezra Miller as Flash. He'll people like or test audiences liked him, mm. so you know they'll, they'll they'll keep him at least. Yeah. Affleck could not give a flying. You know what? Let's talk about this now. Affleck could not give a flying fuck about this. He's desperate to get out, mm. and I, I pretty I guarantee we're never going to see uh, Jared Leto's Joker again. Um, everybody everybody like hates him. <laughs> Which was why the uh, the the end like last bit of this with uh, uh, Luther surprised me so much. I was like, "Well, hang on a second. Everybody hates this guy. What the fuck are you doing teasing the Legion of Doom?" 
For folks who haven't seen Justice League, the 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 the, the coda, the uh, the setup of Thanos uh, is actually um, we've already had Thanos Darkseid uh, mentioned enough times that we already know he's out there. Uh, it's it cuts to Arkham and then a uh, bald man in his cell gets yelled at and then he turns around and goes, "It's not Lex Luthor, it is I, someone else." And then it cuts to a yacht and obviously Deathstroke and then he goes on a speedboat, he gets onto the yacht, he goes in and, and Lex Luthor's sitting in his palatial yacht and he goes, oh, 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 hello Deathstroke, we should start a Legion of Doom. And I just thought so much better than that scene would be. It's the speedboat, but it's obviously, you see the bald head of Lex Luthor and then he gets onto the yacht and it's all palatial and he's like, ah, the yacht, all the palatial yacht. And he gets in and it goes, oh, oh, ah, ha, ah, ah, ha, you ain't got no beef, you ain't got no beef. And it's Jared Leto's Joker. And Lex goes, ah, the Joker, I like, I like your style. Have, have a jolly rancher. And Jared Leto, go, uh, Joker goes, oh, okay, so why did you bring me here? And Lex goes, uh, I, you brought me here. And then they both look at each other and the whole fucking yacht explodes. And then it, <laughs> it cuts to Gotham Harbor and then... Harley Quinn turns around to the camera and goes, You know you stinker. <laughs> and then we love Harley Quinn forever because she's just taken out the two worst carbuncles on the arse of this franchise. I fucking hate those two performances. Not going to yeah. talk about the men themselves, but those performances can go and fuck themselves. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guarantee you we're not going to get Dark Side anytime soon, mm. so I can... I can understand them going for the Legion of Doom, and and I have to say, it's kind of impressive how much they were trying to, in like, what, 30 seconds, be like, this has always been Lex Luthor. No, he never had the long hair and the stupid, you know, Steve Jobs thing going on. He was always wearing the suit. I mean, he's kind of a little bit off-putting, but he's always been the bald businessman. Pay no attention to the movie behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> They, they also, there is the problem there that they have set up that Lex Luthor is basically the founder of Facebook. Yeah. Yes. You are probably going to be a very successful computer person. You're going to go through life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that that won't be true. It'll be because you're an asshole. If they're going to do any more New God stuff... Mm-hmm. My suggestion, next Wonder Woman movie, make Granny Goodness the villain and have Betty White play her. Oh. um, uh, Bob said that character actress Margot Martindale could play her. I'm totally (laughs) behind this. Also also appropriate. (laughs) Either way, Granny Goodness. Yeah. Or be really meta and go Linda Carter. Yeah. But uh, let, let me just tell you the slate, okay? Just to, just to remind everyone what's currently apparently in production. Aquaman is in post-production. That means they've shot the film. As it's coming out in December 2018, like, you know, a year from now. Um, yeah. Shazam is in pre-production. That's uh, April 2019. They just cast Zachary Levy in it. Uh, Wonder Woman 2 is in development, November 2019. Cyborg is just in in development, April 2020, and then Green Lantern Corps, July 2020. Who's absent from that list? A rather important character. Superman? Another Superman movie? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it was exactly going for Flash. The Flash film was in development, then it got shit-canned at least once. Um, oh, there is an untitled right. Flash, undated Flashpoint movie in the works, but it, like I say, it's not dated. 
Then there's Batgirl, Nightwing, The Batman, Gotham City Sirens, Suicide Squad 2, Justice League Dark, Black Adam, Deathstroke, Deadshot. Yeah, good. Th- we will never see a Deadshot movie. No, I'm okay. saying that right now. Harley Quinn and the Joker, Justice League 2, Lobo, and Man of Steel 2. This is DC's problem writ large. All of this stuff. And I forgot about that Scorsese produced standalone young Joker movie. Did I, say, did I not say Batgirl? No, 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 you did say Batgirl, but this, unless Justice League somehow does magnificent box it won't. over the next few weeks. Narrator's voice. It didn't. Batgirl <laughs> is not happening. Is it not? I, I don't think Because so. it was just, just, just Whedon's pay or play And they're going to go, you've not brought in the Benjamins, Joss. Why to which Joss could you? say, I'm not a sorcerer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, he can say that on his way out the door. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Quickly, relay another Harry Potter spinoff. Th- this, is the ish- this is one of the major issues. Planning a dozen films before you've even had two good ones. Mm-hmm. Also, I have a question. Aquaman's in post-production, yeah. and it's due out in a year. Yeah. Shazam is in pre-production, and it's due out only four months later. Question mark? How does that work? Is the, pr- is the produ- post-production stuff, does that take a year to May- do? Maybe they filmed all the on-land stuff, and then the next year's going to be Jason Momoa in a swimming pool. I'm okay with that. I don't I know why you're laughing. Visions. That's what they're going to do. No, I just had visions of some poor CG bloke and they're basically given a film and told, now colour in all the water. Now <laughs> give Jason Momoa... a time, shading it turquoise. Jason Momoa says he doesn't like his beard. Give him a new face without a beard. <laughs> Must I, master? <laughs> I wow, Sharon got broke. <laughs> I, I do have a thought though on on the Aquaman thing. Yeah. Um. Because they they've got the same stunt team as the as Mad Max Fury Road. Like oh, I, right. I'm actually really kind of hopeful for Aquaman because James Wan managed to hammer a functional movie out of Furious Seven, and Furious Seven, what happened would have broke most directors. Yeah. But yeah. You know, I'd like to see what happens if he can actually make a movie without that kind of disaster. He's got the furious the 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 furious the um, the fury road stunt team working for him. So I think maybe they're just going to be doing a whole bunch of stunt editing or you know stuff over the next year as part of post production. Mm. And I'm hoping that that doesn't get screwed over by you know Justice League opening below a hundred million dollars and mm. Warner Brothers panicking and trying to like set everything on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Running around on fire, spreading fire to everything else. (laughs) Victor Frankenstein freaking out at the fact that his creation's not beautiful enough and tearing it to bits. Now you'll never be pretty! (laughs) (laughs) Now, the thing with Aquaman, though, and specifically James Wan working on Aquaman, I'm really glad that Justice League only kind of showed us one room of Atlantis. Because what Wan is so good at is implying that bigger things are outside of the frame of the camera. Hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing Atlantis through his lens and getting kind of, you know, if anybody can kind of make Atlantis be gorgeous on a budget, I think James Wong can do it because he can make it, he can show us what we need to know so that our brain will <laughs> fill in the rest. There's a t-shirt. James Wan, I made Atlantis <laughs> gorgeous on a budget. That's their crew t-shirts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything through goldfish bowls yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, okay so um 
the Flashpoint thing that's been sort of mentioned several times. Now, the concept of Flashpoint, written by Jeff Johns, who is one of the head honchos at, uh, um, in the actual decision-making, and he became a head honcho sometime before Wonder Woman launched but after Batman v Superman. I think we were saying back when Batman v Superman or possibly Suicide Squad, just get Jeff Johns on that shit. And they did. They literally got that. I think that's because he has the the production chops from the Flash TV show and and that kind of stuff. So it's like he's done this on the screen before. Um, The the concept of Flashpoint is that um, Barry um, goes back in time and changes things. And then when he comes back again, as, as with Back to the Future 2, everything's different. And the Batman that he talks to ends up being uh, Thomas Wayne. And he's, uh, they've even mentioned that they might get Jeffrey Dean Morgan in, who actually played Thomas Wayne briefly in that uh, the, the murder scene, the, the salacious murder scene at the beginning of Batman v Superman. Um, and then Barry changes everything again, and history writes itself. But there's so much in that that... Uh, basically you can kind of course correct seriously now by and you can you can get your recasting done in one film and you can establish the new universe if people like the new henry cavill superman with digitally added smiles keep him you know if if people like whoever the new batman is keep him this is your way of above of both giving us a proper flash story and also unfucking a lot of this. So a lot could rest on Flashpoint. Well, part of the beauty of alternative universes is that you can tweak what you want to tweak and keep what you want to keep. Mm. I mean, all it takes for there to be for Batman to be Thomas Wayne is for basically in that scene where Bruce's parents were killed for Thomas Wayne to in fact lose his wife and child and go out and do exactly the same thing as Batman did. Mm. Or you could have it so that... Martha Wayne lost her husband and child. She yeah. went out and became Batwoman. Well, yeah, there's a great lo- load of hand-wavy stuff you can do. Mm-hmm. The issue is basically, can you, with one movie, make a studio that has been making mostly bad decisions start making mostly good decisions? Because that's serious magic, if you can. Mm, that's that's really booting it down the other trouser leg, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> this, again, this is not... For people who like uh, Batman v, v Superman and, and like uh, Man of Steel... That's absolutely fine. Uh, you know, most people listen to my show would also probably uh, be happily admit a lot of people don't like them. I would like people to like them. Uh, at the same time, most people who like them probably wouldn't also want them to all be like this movie, which is serviceable enough, watchable enough, but empty, hollow, lacking in substance and development and character. And it's. It feels kind of soulless as well. Like there isn't something wound around the heart of this, powering it forwards. I, I, I love, and will never get enough of the. Um, it you know you you can't do this alone. We've got to work together. Ethic that is a a great colours to nail to your mast. But there need there needed to be more than that in this, and it honestly feels like the studio looked at the bill and it was three hundred million dollars. And they figured that even if they did make what they had of Justice League into two movies, it would further poison the well and not allow them to come back from Snyder's vision of the DCEU, which they are clearly now trying to pull away from. So at least you can see them learning from their mistakes. Insofar as even if you do appreciate Snyder's vision of uh, the DCEU, it's clear that that is not going to be a big seller. Not to the masses, which is what Warner Brothers wants. It's not palatable. 
And when Flashpoint comes, my theory is it'll actually come not immediately to course correct, but actually after a series of entirely unconnected DC movies. So they'll make a movie about a completely different Batman, maybe even a movie about a completely different Superman, and whatever happens with this Joker movie. They'll carry on with Wonder Woman 2, hold back on anything even remotely resembling a Justice League 2, but after a string of successes that they can point to and go, that one was good, that one was good, that one was good, with a lot less focus on connective tissue, in fact they could take place in entirely different universes, and in fact that might be playing to their strengths, then they make their cinematic universe with Flashpoint. Kind of the thing that binds it all together. So to that end, that massive slate of 19 movies makes a kind of sense. You just keep the five that work out of that. Unfortunately, about half of them are all related to Batman. Just you know, it's $300 million. You've got to make that back at least. This will make its, its uh, costs back. And, you know, more than that. It probably won't make well, as much as Ragnarok, though. And that's not me going, I mean, aha, I'm Marvel. It's just, it's, it's, it's more just kind of looking at the financial landscape right now. Nobody I mean, here right, wants this to fail. Yeah. We all wanted this to be a good movie, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I care so much, well, I used to care so much more about the, the Justice League than I did about, I didn't care about Marvel characters in terms of the MCU until Iron Man. So the the Batman, Superman stuff was was what I grew up with, and that, like, I've been wanting for four years for these movies to be good, and that's why every time someone says, well, now that they've done this, the next movie can be good. That's why that drives me nuts, because, like, the last, what, I, I haven't seen a movie in, in a while that tries so hard to earn audience goodwill in, like, the last ten minutes mm. uh, as Justice League does, because you've got, like, oh, hey, Superman's back, and he says truth and justice, and, and he saves the building of people, and then stuff happens, and it's cool, and Flash and Superman have that little cute thing, and then here's the Legion of Doom, and it's like, and now we can get to the good stuff. But, but, but what if you started with the good stuff, though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Before the MCU happened, the average person had no idea who Iron Man was. Yep, didn't know who the hell the Guardians of the Galaxy were. Oh, certainly not. They maybe, possibly, had heard of Captain America. Yeah, laughed at the idea of Thor. Yeah, yeah. And the Avengers was because of the TV show. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, the Avengers was never going to be as big as X Men. You know, everyone knows X-Men thanks to the 90s and the Avengers were sort of like the, the team that Marvel couldn't get to work in comic book form. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. But, and, but, but everybody knows who Wonder Woman is. Batman, Superman. I mean, they've had major cachet in American... Well, not world culture, not just American culture, for decades. This should have been a slam dunk. They've had no excuse not to do a Wonder Woman film before this. This is it's it's ridiculous yeah. that it took so goddamn long, and uh, it's it's great. And Electra did bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're, they're weak ass excuses. But it's great that they're they're they fi- it's finally out and it's it's as good as it could ever have been. I think I would challenge anyone to make a Wonder Woman film better than that. There's, I mean, there's, it does sort of like turn into a sort of a big standard fight near near the end, as people have complained about. I believe in love gets to me so hard that it's 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 worth the cacophony of uh, exploding masonry around it. Well, if nothing else, the the ending of Justice League, which is a 
very similar sort of cacophony of CGI stuff mm. kind of underlines what Wonder Woman does really well in the finale because you have Diana's speech and you have Steve's sacrifice, so you still have story and character stuff going on yeah. instead of just the, you know, okay, here we're marking time until Superman gets here and wins things for us. And he, also, bit, I mean, he wiped the floor so easily with Steppenwolf. I just thought... Wow, were we ever supposed to feel like these guys weren't going to beat him? Yeah, that's well, a yeah, that's a problem. There's no tension. Yeah, mm. These six people are as powerful as literally every human being on Earth was thousands of years ago, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And I I will say that well, that's that's kind of another problem with the action sequence. Is like the best part of that finale is something that was obviously sort of shoehorned into existing footage where they're like, oh yeah, Wonder Woman ended up being the team leader and she saved Batman's ass because he was being stupid. You know, it was like, she wouldn't let us go without you. I'm like, hey, that's really good. It's too bad we couldn't have seen more of that instead of being told about it later, but that that's good. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah, there are so many good ideas and bits in this movie that I want to give it a lot more credit than it really deserves. Yeah. I mean, but go for it. Let's talk about the good things, because they're all, they yeah. are in there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a lot of really phenomenal stuff in there. I like how well they work together as a team. Mm-hmm. The choreography and the uh, and the way that they shoot everything and the way that they know how to... I'm, I'm really impressed by how well they highlight certain characters when they need to be highlighted and then back off, and everybody gets their kind of little bits of spotlight without it having to be a set piece for all of them. Yeah. For example... The Amazons were cool to see again. Like I didn't like their uh, their their bikini armor, and nope. seeing them get like like worked over was kind of a bummer. But the the creativity of the uh, of the Mar- mother box football keep away sequence, like that was a <laughs> yeah. really creative action sequence. Yes. Yeah. It would have been nice to see them come back and kick Steppenwolf's ass, but I mean, you know. Oh man! Like riding in at the end, like the Valkyries—that would have been amazing. Well, yeah. Well, like in the in the two thousand nine Wonder Woman, where it's like they just show up and it's like, "Hey, we gathered the legions. Let's use them." Mm. As much as Ben Affleck didn't want to be there, mm. I still felt like this felt actually like my conception of Batman. Huh. Like he is more so, more so than definitely more than he's ever been in either Man of Steel or Beavis Dodge and in some ways more so than than Christian Bale's Batman because I felt some real genuine human emotion from Ben Affleck there hmm. and I never I never had a problem with him you know a lot of people were making fun of him playing Batman I was like no, the guy can be a really good actor he built his own bat cave in his house at one point, he loves this character yeah, when he cares about and gets the right character, he can be really damn good. And I I saw some of that here, and I really liked it. Some of it, not not all of it. A, a good chunk of it. I was really happy with what I saw on screen of his character. CG or not, I loved seeing Superman smile so often. Mm-hmm. That, first, yeah. that, that beginning part where um, it's clearly little kids, and they say, uh, can we interview you? It's for a podcast. Oh, well, in that case. It's, it's like, it was adorable and wonderful. And I'm like, that's the most Superman I have seen out of these movies yet. Yeah. I'm going to backpedal slightly on the, uh, while it was, like you mentioned the CGI or not. I, again, relative to what I said earlier, um, it seems like Henry Cavill 
can't smile, so they had to put a smile on him. <laughs> That's what I want to see. It's just an excuse. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I, I, I have a moustache, so I can't do that smiling business you're talking about. What if he gave you a beard? No, you wouldn't be able to see my mouth. Um, so, so yeah, they had to make him smile with computers. That made it worse. The fact, like, because he's never smiled before, I'm like, this is. Sc-. Do you know what it reminded me of? Anyone seen Adam's Family Values? Yes. yes. When Wednesday uh, spent some time in the Harmony Hut. Well, good evening. Is there anything you'd like to say to everyone? Yes. And just what might that be? I'm not perky. <laughs> That's for damn sure. But I want to be. You do? I want to smile and sing and dance and be Pocahontas in Gary's vision. Oh, darling, do you really mean it? And then she slowly smiles. (gasps) Isn't she pretty? She's scaring me! Because Wednesday smiling looks wrong. That's what (laughs) Superman smiling looked like, because he was smiling with his mouth, but not his eyes. Because his eyes were real and his mouth wasn't. It just, it was so loathsome. (laughs) And I, I, I applaud the essence of what they were doing, I decried the execution of what they were doing. Yeah, the CGI team half-assed this whole movie. Mm. <laughs> oh, uh, Chipman uh, pointed out that uh, there are scenes where you can see, like in, in where they've changed the lighting so dramatically that there are these great big patches, especially over Batman's costume, to make it look like he's got a lot more muscle tone and definition. They just look like these blotchy bits of discolored rubber attached to his costume, <laughs> which now completely don't work in the in the in the changed light scheme. And Flash looked like he had to me. Flash looked like he had like exposed wires all over his costume. Mm, mm. I was, I was like, oh, that looks bad. I was wondering I if that was like a steampunky way of getting the lightning to conduct through him or something. But uh, yeah, it did look like a messy and uncomfortable and difficult to put on costume, even if you are moving at super speed. <laughs> but we're talking about I good really stuff. Liked, yeah, good stuff. Go back to yeah, good I, stuff. Sorry. I, I liked Gal Gadot, like, even. You I'm liked not a Gallagher. Fan of the, He's no, going to no, get the Gallagher. watermelon, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Gal Gadot. The, you know, oh, Woman, Gal Gadot. Gal, yes. She's great. And I, I'm not a huge fan of like how the camera looks at her. Um, it, it, it's kind of interesting because the uh, like one of the scenes that got shown in every trailer of Justice League up until like release is one of those male gazy, oh, she just did a kit. You can see a bottom. Did you see that? I like it, it's during that opening bank high scene and that shot's not in the movie. Mm-hmm. So like you can yeah. tell they were kind of trying to, ooh, let's tone down on the bottoms. Let's let's try and make cause like everyone was talking about how Patty Jenkins didn't have like obviously, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of male gaze in Wonder Woman. Everyone Upscared was talking about that. Kind of, you can kind of feel like they were trying to tone that down, but there's still like a lot of it just because that's how Zack Snyder fetishizes everyone equally. And yet somehow the otaku Barry manages to fall face first into her boobs in that scene. And like that left yeah. that got left in. That was left that in. Feels like a, that feels like a Whedon joke. Yeah. Like yeah, that's it does. exactly yeah. the same joke as Age of Ultron. So but but like I still think she's really I mean, she's not given a whole lot to do and her her kind of retconned thing is awkward but she's still really really good and like her intro particularly is the 
like that might be one of my favorite things in the movie is where she blocks the machine gun fire in front of the people. It's just like, and the guy looks up from his gun. He's like, "What?" And she's like, "Bitch, you're done." Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just really cool. And she's still work. She's still really great. And I want to see Wonder Woman two now more than any more Justice League stuff. Yeah, yeah. She's she is Wonder Woman. Un- unlike what I was saying about Batman, she has always felt like Wonder Woman to me. Like she embodies what the character the core essence of what the character is. Mm. Yeah. And one of the things that I liked about this movie that is not specifically about the movie, but in the theater, uh, about three or four seats down from us, there's a little girl with a Wonder Woman shield, and when Wonder Woman appeared on screen, she started swinging it around so excited. And after the movie, I realized this little girl also was wearing uh, her T-shirt, shorts, and shoes were all flash-branded. And I'm like, that's what I like. That's what... And you know what? She had fun at this movie, and as far as I'm concerned, that's kind of the best thing about it is yeah, that... Kids can enjoy it. She, yeah. yeah, at least she enjoyed it, and she saw the heroes that she cares about on screen, and that was great. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Superman carries a whole building full of people to safety. That was mm. that was delightful. Yeah. It was yeah. ridiculous. But it's the right kind of ridiculous. <laughs> that yeah. one family that you mentioned, it was it was kind of like, okay, how much would it cost us to get uh, 1,200 extras uh, this much? Okay, how much would it cost us to get 120 extras this much? How much would it cost to, take, to get us four extras <laughs> this much? Now that we can do. <laughs> like, what was Joss Whedon's budget for the reshoots? $40? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it, do, it doesn't they like the, him lunch. The, the honestly, the thing that looks the cheapest sometimes is, is just the effects, the the uh, the, the compositing and, and the, the, the lack of meshing between um, the the one version of the film that was shot and the version of the film that they've kind of shoehorned this to be. To go back to a good thing though, I think you mentioned this on uh, Twitter, Brendan. The one look that uh, Superman gives the Flash. Yeah. 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 The. Oh, yeah. Where he's, During, I don't know if that was me, but he just kind of turns his head while Barry's running, and Barry's yep. like, Whoa, "Oh shit, that shouldn't be happening." That was worth the price of entry alone for me. It was Lee Scoville who was talking about that on Twitter. Shout out to Lee. It's not as good as Thor: The Dark World, and Thor: The Dark World is the least of the Marvels. Yeah, and Malaketh mm. is a bit more complex than Steppenwolf. What's, does Steppenwolf have a motivation? He wants to destroy everything and have it all and rule everything and destroy it and have it and rule it. And, why? Uh, you see, you see, Sharon, he was born to be wild, so... Um, Very good. It's just his nature. <laughs> Can, well, anyone, like... I mean, let's not really rip into Steppenwolf too much because everyone's doing that anyway, but, like, did, did anyone get anything a, from him? I think it was a bold choice with Steppenwolf to just animate an, an action figure <laughs> instead of actually having to have an actor... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's creativity on display right there. Just an angry guy with an axe. You know, yeah. like, the, the Thor literally took the angry guy with an axe and made him great, uh, as in uh, uh, Executioner. Yeah. 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 They, they also actually, like, when they had the giant monster man with horns in Thor The Dark World, he was like an actual on-set creation instead of a CGI Ninja Turtle guy. Mm. So... <laughs> There is some remnant of what the uh, film was originally going to be where Steppenwolf mentions that the mother box is his mother, but it's such a throwaway line that you can't really read that as characterization. 
Also, Zack Snyder has a thing about mothers. Manifestly. But I think that's part of the whole, like, this was not originally going to be the bad guy in the movie. Like, there's when, when he steals the mother box from Heroes Park, you don't even see Steppenwolf in that scene. Yeah, I think that that's that fight scene where they were um, in that. I think they were actually fighting Steppenwolf in that park. I think that was their first showdown with him, and the, the Chernobyl bit was um, the second showdown because the uh, that that sequence with the tank being thrown across the grass and Cyborg jumps in the way was in I think the first or maybe second trailer before Whedon got his hands on it. A lot of that was shot earlier. Yeah, it was so, just going to be at night instead of it. Oh, day. gotcha, right? So, because that's the thing, basically, like. That sequence at the end is like, oh, Steppenwolf came and got the mother box and then left. You know, oh, that's a shame. He he got it. That reeked of there was a whole scene here with Steppenwolf and now it's gone. And you know, they just fought someone and Superman's not in this. Uh, well, wasn't in this until recently. So you know, super powered guy kind of makes sense. So what was their motivation going to be originally? So we tried to fight him and we got our asses handed to us. And we aren't any stronger. In fact, we're more afraid and weaker. Why do, Why are we going to go and fight him now? So that basically becomes, now we're a team, but we still can't do Jack without Superman. Yeah. And then when Superman turns up, he makes us all redundant. We just sit back and let him clean the floor with... Uh... Oh, dear. I've just broken the film. I didn't even intend to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, ultimately... Um... Uh, Superman's so absurdly overpowered and that all of them together are so what's beyond absurdly overpowered? Ludicrous speed? Ludicrous speed (laughs) that the only person who could possibly pose them any threat at all would be Darkseid and so when Darkseid turns up and they beat him what then? Like, what the fuck do we do with the Justice League? Are they going to stop bank robbers? Star of the Conqueror yeah, Star. I mean, yeah. bring in Starro. It's the Starro works because no matter how overpowered they are, the people that they're fighting are innocents that mm. have been basically brain brain controlled. Yeah. So they have to hold themselves back. They cannot fight at their full strength. I'm fine with that. We were t- uh, Sharon and I were talking about uh, what the Marvel formula is uh, earlier today because people criticize Marvel for having a formula. Um, Understandable. Yeah, that whole make good movies thing is just such a bad idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh. tr- I'm trying to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, and uh, Pixar have a formula as well. And, and when I watched Finding yeah. Dory, I would, I've never really felt quite so much that formula until I saw that. I was like, right, now it's just going to follow all the exact lines of a Pixar movie. And oh, here's that bit that's going to make me cry. And it did make me cry, but I don't <laughs> love the film. Um, but the Marvel films, obviously, I do love, and. and there's many reasons why and they're, they're all by and large extremely high quality and like even the least of them is, you know has got some great moments in it like uh, Thor the Dark World has plenty of great Loki by and large most Marvel um, origins run the same pattern over and over again the, the, the Iron Man one because they, they like established that really firmly with that first film and most of the origin stories follow that same path even Spider-Man Homecoming is kind of like baby Iron Man and most of them mm-hmm. have a hero's journey in there. And most Marvel films have a misfire where they don't really develop the characters so much. Or like with Thor The Dark World, they develop Loki at the expense of Thor. Um, and then they have a team uh, meet-up where they 
can like sometimes when they get it really really right and they deepen the characters because of the contrast with other characters and it feels like DC should just really have focused from day one ep- like 2013 onwards from Wonder Woman being film one then Aquaman then uh, what was it then Flash then Aquaman then Cyborg then Justice League four really solid hero's journey origin stories now the hero's journey is by no means the only thing you can do but here's the thing after Avengers Infinity Part 2 I don't think Marvel are just going to go trotting out the whole hero's journey thing again and again and again. Not all the time. I think they're going to start exploring newer avenues of storytelling, newer combinations, and challenging a bit more in terms of what they do, simply because they this will have been their victory lap. They will have aced it. They don't have to prove anything anymore. They're confident and comfortable enough to know what works, what doesn't. And sometimes that can be problematic in terms of like the, how the, I, I would really have liked to see Edgar Wright's Ant-Man now. And yeah. um, it, it feels like that, that, that was a loss and, and that sometimes Marvel's cleaving to this formula can be detrimental. But I'd really like to see a humbled DC going, right, Wonder Woman worked, why? Let's put this stuff on hold for a bit. We will figure this shit out. We'll get a, a modest slate planned. And we will do a bunch of origin movies so that you can really get to know these characters beyond Batman. Chasing Batman movies is a really bad idea. Batman's been in 13 films. 14. 14 films. And like 10 of them, as it's just theatrically released ones, not even counting the, uh, the straight-to-video ones. I've, I've written this down here. So that's Batman the movie, the 1966 version with Adam West, then Batman 89, then Batman Returns, then Batman Forever. Not forgetting Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Batman and Robin, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, The Lego Movie, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, The Lego Batman Movie, and finally Justice League. Sir, I've seen you go through similar phases in 2016 and 2012 and 2008 and 2005 and 1997 and 1995 and 1992 and 1989 and that weird one in 1966. I have aged phenomenally. 14th theatrically released movies and only two of them were genuinely phenomenal, outshadowed Batman himself. What worries me in seeing DC's upcoming slate add more and more Batman-related movies, Batgirl, Nightwing, The Batman, Gotham City Sirens, which is tangentially linked, Suicide Squad 2, Deathstroke, Deadshot, Harley Quinn and The Joker, that's a fuck-ton of Batman-related stuff. In a very short space of time relative to all those other 14 theatrically released films, Batman wasn't the worst part of Justice League, but he, it was, he was definitely, for me, the worst part of Batman v Superman because he's no longer a violent fascist in, in their, their universe now. Um, he, he's kind of, you know, reformed, more uh, contemplative. Uh, but despite his musculature, he seemed, in comparison to the rest of the leaguers, a little bit weak and creaky and old and uncertain and out of his depth in a way that proved charmingly human for Hawkeye in Age of Ultron, but it failed to be explored here. Remember he had th- that trouble with just one parademon whilst uh, Wonder Woman was going toe-to-toe with uh, Steppenwolf himself? It just f- felt like um, Batman, you know, what's your superpower? I'm rich. That might not be enough for you. 
which again is a great storyline to explore if you're going to explore that storyline and they didn't that was Tony Stark in Iron Man 3 saying I'm just a guy in a metal suit I'm up, I'm up against gods with hammers and radioactive hulks super soldier legends Batman's inferiority complex is interesting potentially but if they focus only on Batman and Batman related projects they keep this self-fulfilling prophecy of well no one knows about our other heroes they only know Batman we still don't know how to make Superman work and so we've got to have Batman linked at all times I think people are going to get sick of him if they aren't already and for all you folks out there going would you stop complaining about Henry Cavill as Superman he's a good Superman stop saying he's not You folks in particular need to accept that yours is the minority experience on this one. Most of the rest of the world has not accepted Henry Cavill as Superman and almost certainly never will. What DC need right now, more than almost anything else, is a masterstroke of casting. Up there with Gal Gadot or Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. Someone who the world at large accepts and goes, Yes, that is Superman. You can't rescue Henry Cavill. Not from this. And part of me wants to agree with you. Part of me wants to not give up on him. There is a nobility there in those eyes. I wanted to see what he could do. But this feels like a relationship based entirely on feeling like we know the other person can change seeing the good in someone and just wanting to stick with them just to you know no matter how much it hurts just to write it out because we can see that superman in there you know maybe it's time to just let this one go but here's the thing the reason why people loved wonder woman It wasn't because it was laden down with complex meaning and multi-layered metaphors and parallels and similes. It was actually a very simple story when it came down to it. The story of an idealist who is confronted with how horrible the world can be and manages to keep going. Which, obviously, for our times right now, is perfect. It's the fuel we need. And if DC are going to succeed, they have to drop the idea of being cool. You know, they'll, they'll be cool anyway, but they have to start making these films with love. I saw precious little love in Justice League. I saw no love in Batman v Superman. Absolutely none in Suicide Squad. Wonder Woman was rich with love, and Superman needs to be too. I'm reading on Twitter today people responding to uh, Bob Chipman's uh, Really That Bad on Batman v Superman saying, Superman would have approved the bombing of Hiroshima and he would hate Black Lives Matter. The nature of Superman has been twisted and perverted, and the world needs to see who he really is. Because, my God, do we need that. And we'll give him a third chance, and a fourth chance, and a fifth chance, and maybe they'll get it right. But it's not going to work unless there's love. Love for the characters, love for the grand mythology that DC Comics have been and could be again. Love for telling stories. A 
about heroes who try to do the right thing to make the world better. Love for the responsibility of being an ideal for hope. I actually kind of liked Aquaman. Um, again, not because I thought it was really well executed, but Momoa was not nearly as dour as I had feared he would be. I can kind of understand what they're going for. I, I, when I first heard about Lone Wolf Aquaman, I'm like, great, Batman Aquaman. But honestly, I can kind of understand uh, his motivation here being that he doesn't feel like he fits any place, so he tries <coughs> to fit no place, but ultimately he does need, feel that need for connection with people. Um, I can understand him wanting to reject um, a crown that he doesn't feel that he's really supposed to have. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was that bad a performance, honestly, and I would like to see more out of him. I like the idea that they're playing kind of really hard into the whole idea of Aquaman being Arthur, because they even have him you know, be sent away as a baby and he's got a magic weapon that he can use and, like, if they're gonna do yeah, Aquaman is just King Arthur under the sea, then I I guess that's a, I mean, if you're gonna lean into that, sure, lean into that, and I kind of like that, that particular track, like, that's, that's not a bad idea that's, if you're gonna do Aquaman and try and not do him silly also, it'd be really, it'd be really fun if, like, the the best King Arthur movie we ever get is an Aquaman movie Mm. (laughs) yes I thought that his action sequences were good. I liked seeing him stabbing a pair of demon and then surfing it down through a building. That was kind of awesome. Yeah, I wanted to cheer at that scene. I was like, yes! Aquaman I mean, is yeah. a badass! Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I really like to see in, a, in an Aquaman movie? It's a tiny, tiny thing, uh, but just a costume that consists of a pair of green jeans and a big orange knitted fishing jumper. Yeah. He more or less wears that in, the, in one scene. Like, the color correction is really kind of... But, like, you can see when he's talking to Bruce Wayne before he, like, takes off his sweater to show off his his sick, sick delts. abs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he is wearing an orange sweater. Really? I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> um, I also really liked the, uh, the race. Um, again, it's not something the movie really earns apart from having, you know, Superman call Flash a slowpoke that one time, the, the first time they met when he wasn't mad. But... Superman and Flash racing is never not going to give me a smile. Yeah. And yeah. and Superman busting Barry Allen's balls is never not going to give me a smile. And that was a <laughs> that was a funny bit. Frankly, any heroes busting each other's balls is going to be way better than anything that the DC has done so far uh, outside of Wonder yeah. Woman. Um, ball busting, good for future yeah. in that reference, folks. Uh, yeah. Cyborg, what did we think? I liked his relationship with his father uh, because. That's one of the more complicated father-son relationships in comics. Yeah, Cyrus clearly loves his son, but also is so awkward and dumb about how human beings talk to each other that he can only really express it and how fascinated he is by his son. And I could see, you know, Vic interpreting that as my father only likes me for my technology. And he's a jerk. And I thought that that almost came off. I could see at least the seeds of that in the in the movie. And I got a lot of pathos from him. That, yeah, he was broody, but he's broody because he doesn't know what the hell he is or where the hell he fits. And he's terrified of what he can do or what he may soon be able to do. 
Yeah, like that time that he moved the plot along by, by losing control of his powers for no given reason. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he, no. has, he senses he aggression. Better. I sense aggression. I'm going to start shooting Superman. Good idea. He's yeah. a fucking liability. Yeah, he has a plot cannon, and I'm... Whatever. <laughs> what if Goza turns up, and they need to negotiate with Goza, and she goes, Are you a god? And Diana's just about to step forward, and then Vic blasts Goza in the fucking face. <laughs> I'm not quite a god, but I'm really close. I did like that they tried to do the whole disability angle, having him, like, embrace what made him different, you know, because they, and it's very clumsily handled, but they do really try and lean to that. It's like, this this new stuff is scary, and I don't know what this new stuff is doing to me, because I can fly now, and I couldn't fly before. Mm. And then later on, he's voluntarily, like, experimenting with new stuff. Like, it starts with the the nightcrawler thing and he's like okay i'm going to try and take over this and see if i can do stuff and then he's like well maybe the mother box can can things now and it's you know it's like again it it is kind of plot canon but it's at least sort of trying for for something with the character and it's not awful so that's cool I, i also like the way that the really ugly cyborg design in the last scene he was like hey look i can look like actual cyborg now yeah, um, the the choice of uh, uh, cyborg from the beginning, um, as soon as the league was originally announced, always mystified me because uh, I felt the the inclusion of him. He's been, uh, I think, he was included in the new Fifty Two League before the yeah. uh, league film was uh, announced, so that, that there was a sort of a, a sensibility of it applying to that. It always felt a little bit tokenistic, like, well, we've got to have a black guy in there. And DC's actually got a ton of people of color, to their credit. In the actual, mm-hmm. uh, in their Justice League roster, they have a smorgasbord of characters to choose from. So it always made me go, well, why this guy in particular? And then I remember that Teen Titans was huge. Around about the time I was watching Justice League Unlimited a lot, Teen Titans was uh, playing to a slightly younger crowd. And I, I figured, okay, well, this is playing to pe- kids who grew up watching that. But then watching the film, I was like... But this isn't that cyborg, surely. I've watched a couple of episodes of that, and, and that guy's kind of more like a fun-loving big guy. Like, he's the thing. He's not... Yeah. Th- this guy's really super serious. He's like the Phantom of the Opera. But not... Like, I kept, like, doing this, oh, like, holding my wrist to my forehead to sh- to express to Sharon quite how I'm a monster he is through the film. But I can't express quite how utterly dead he is as he performs like that. He's like, I am a monster. Uh, He's monotone. He's a Borg. He's so lacking in dynamism on on screen that and and because they can't explore his story, there isn't time, it makes me feel like, just leave that character out of this whole movie entirely. Do a cyborg movie as well as you can, and if he works then, include him in a later League film. And they've already kind of shot their load now. And I don't know what people, what the general public are going to make of him because he's lacking in the sort of stuff that people like of their on-screen heroes. Tortured, everyone's tortured. We've all got dead people. <laughs> but he's also humorless. And I mean, Vision's humorless, but Vision's also kind of fascinating. And, you know, they've both got that kind of being able to interface with machinery stuff. But we get so lit, like, he and Aquaman and Flash... Like there's so much to ha- to get done in this film, there isn't enough time for them to really be established. 
And like, which we're turning to what I originally said should have been films first. But it always baffled me that like, just do John Stewart Green Lantern if you need to have a person of color. And I, by the way, I applaud the even the double-edged sword of tokenism being that even though it's you know just f- ticking a box, at least you have a person of color up there for people to not just look at the giant day crew lineup of white people. And now the Avengers is catching up with a whole bunch of extra people, and, and you got Black Panther kicking royal ass in the next couple of months oh. in, ter- in, in, in that Royal regard. ass. I, I see what you did there. Yeah. But, that movie does look amazing. It, it does. Oh. But, but there's a, a massive Green Lantern-shaped hole in the Justice League to make it feel like it's not really the League and it won't be the League until Green Lantern Corps has happened. And... That was all a reaction to how shit the Ryan Reynolds movie is. But I'd posit that there's bits of the Ryan Reynolds movie that I like more than a lot of the other DC movies. Like, there's yeah. the, the bit where Blake Lively goes, What, you didn't think that I'd know who you were just because I can't see your cheekbones? <laughs> you know, Blake Lively, by the way, grew into herself and, and became a, you know, an excellent actress in um, The Shallows, folks. I recommend that. Uh, I was in Taika Waititi in Green Lantern as well. Yes, he was. He was his friend. It yeah. was Tim. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where he got the shake weights um, on set, or like when he was filming that, the shake weight that appeared in Ragnarok. Nice. He had nothing to do. He had nothing to do at night. They were filming in the middle of nowhere, so he would sit down and watch um, infomercials all night. And he just kept ordering stuff. So that's where that shake weight came from. Nice. They decided not to do Green Lantern because that film was seen as poison, and then came the torrent of poison. Like, if, if you're not going to do Green Lantern, don't do Superman. <laughs> at, at this point, the only thing that's not poisoned, really, in any way, is Wonder Woman. And honestly, yeah. with Wonder Woman, because, I mean, we're going to get Wonder Woman, too. Like, I have no idea how how they're going to respond to Aquaman and how, like... <clears throat> but, but at this point, Wonder Woman is going to get left alone. They're going to let Patty Jenkins make her movie because she made them lots of money. Mm. And yeah. Wonder Woman's going to come out and it's going to be successful. Yeah, oh, yeah, thank Christ. Um, no Rat Pack films at the beginning of the next one. Yeah, but if they're, I guess if they're smart, like they would, they would use Wonder Woman to to do more like more introductions of of characters with, like mm. have her, you know, be be the one who's kind of bringing someone else and is like, hey, someone got a really cool cameo in that Wonder Woman movie. Now here's a, an actual movie for Batgirl or for uh, Supergirl or you know anyone. You know, here's a Green Arrow movie because he worked really well in Wonder Woman three or something. Yeah, focus on yeah, focus on Wonder Woman instead of Batman. Mm. And if the Green Lanterns are dealing with uh, Thanagarians, you got Hawkgirl and or Hawkman there as well. Yeah, or or bringing Carter Hall as one of the challengers of the unknown. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other things that I liked about this film. Um, it was short. Yeah. That was a speech. It was dumb. It was obvious. It was pointless. It was short. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Danny Elfman did sort of half-ass this, but um, he didn't just reference his own work. He referenced uh, Blake Neely's work. Actually, I noticed like uh, during the whole Mother Box resurrection scene. Mm-hmm. If you listen, you could hear the running violas from the uh, CW Flash theme. Nice. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and of course, and of course, when Batman breaks out with his uh, Batmobile uh, during the last scene, you can hear the uh, 
both references, musical references, both to '89 Batman and uh, animated series theme. Yeah. Yep. So he, he he's borrowing from other people, but I'm just going to call it homage and say, hey, at least I enjoyed it. I heard it, and that was nice. Mm. I do wonder what um, was it, is it Junkie XL was originally going to, be, to have done the score and maybe even had yeah. a theme already worked out. Yeah, I he did li- the song at the end. Oh, okay. In the cover, the cover over the credits, which I can't remember what they covered now, but I remember thinking, wow, they covered a lot of songs for this movie. Nice. It was was it the come together? Be- it was the Beatles. Yeah, it was come, come together. together. Yeah. 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 Oh, Junkie XL, XL did that cover. Okay, cool, cool. So I mean. It could have been so much worse. It also could have been so much better. It, it's middling. It might be. It's not what DC needs right now. DC really needed right now to to, to knock it out of the park uh, with uh, another really strong film, and then like you know, within with enough really good films, like just a couple, you can kind of start carving out a new continuity where you kind of focus on elements from those films the most in your future films and kind of never mention elements again from the, the weaker ones. Um, and it, it's, it is sad that it couldn't have been better. It's probably as good as it could have been under the circumstances. Yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I watched it in the theaters. I, don't, I didn't walk out of there hating myself for having spent two hours on it. Mm. And that's kind of a... that I haven't experienced that since, I don't know, Dark Knight? In a DC... Or, well, other than Wonder Woman. Yeah. Other, yeah. Wonder Woman I love. But you know, other than that, I think Dark Knight was the last time I walked out of a DC film. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm really glad I went and I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, I have big, I big, big problems with Man of Steel. Like, it's probably a... It might be a better film. It's definitely more of an actual film and this is more of a hodgepodge, but hmm. like given the given the choice, I would I would definitely sooner watch Justice League uh, again than Man of Steel. It's it's definitely more enjoyable to me. Yeah, Justice League has human beings in it, and that helps. Yeah, it, it does. It also doesn't have like that twenty minute prologue on on uh, Krypton that doesn't do a whole lot for the movie. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Steppenwolf yeah. is at least a credible physical threat. Like you can he he like shows up and he actually wrecks people. He doesn't just stand around and talk and seem annoying. It's like, oh, okay, this guy is strong enough to to hurt our heroes. We we ostensibly don't want that to happen. So yeah, it's a lot simpler in a tale. Least, it is. And he's not like annoying like you, you don't want the actor playing him to fall into a vat of lava hmm. when you first get introduced to him. <laughs> Very similar to what Karu said, uh, honestly. I did not regret seeing the movie. Um, there were definitely things I enjoyed about it. He and I were having this discussion about between um, Man of Steel, Beavis Dodge, Suicide Squad, and this movie, which kind of where things ranked. This is less technically good than Man of Steel, but this has much better characters that I care about much more uh, than those in any of those other movies, even Suicide Squad, who had, which as I believe I said after we saw that, was a hot mess, but it was an entertaining hot mess. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's worth it's worth at least spending a matinee price on it, is what I would say. There are some cool fight scenes to see on the big screen. I'll say it's a lot more interesting to be able to talk about the wrecks that Suicide Squad and BVS uh, were, 
the biggest downside of what DC have done over the years is that a particularly poisoned section of their fan base have become so angry and loud and obstinate and, you know, well, everyone who doesn't love this film clearly doesn't get it and isn't smart enough. You're all just Marvel fanboys, this, that, the other, da 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 They have hurt this movie series more than anything else. Because being able to talk about Marvel stuff on the internet without things turning into shit piles... Uh, Marvel fans can be shitty too, but by and large, the shittier... Oh, mind you, <coughs> there's some really shitty Marvel fans as well. Can yeah. Um, but the, in both cases, they make it suck that much more. And if it already sucks, it becomes this black hole draining your strength away so that you're going to go towards Marvel just for a break from Which that. Which fandom do I loathe the least? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Not only did I have to sit through Beavis Dodge, but now I have to sit through people talking about why it's so great. Yeah. So um, it feels like that's the, that's the bitter aftertaste of the pill that you uh, you have to swallow, that we, we know without the sugar, that's what it tastes like. It's the pure aspirin on your tongue. I can I can live with them talking about how great they think Beavis Dodge is. What annoys me is the um, them telling me I'm a dick for not getting it. Hmm. I, uh, I watched that guy burst into tears when he, he talked about the whole I'm a friend of your son's. Um, I couldn't possibly share his sentiment on that moment in the film, which by which point I was practically vomiting with just how uncomfortable the whole film was. But I at least applaud his efforts to convey how much he loved and cared about it. At least it. his enthusiasm is pure. He's yeah. not getting on anybody's case. And there are going to be people out there who love this film because it finally scratches an itch that they really wanted to see these guys. And it is a great big cartoon, which is, again, like I say, better than it could have been. I'm interested to see what DC do uh, in the coming years. Again, they could go one way. They could go a number of ways. But it's not just... Bucket of popcorn at the car crash anymore? Yeah, uh, and it's it's also not straightforward. There's not a straight. There's not a one to one. Marvel are now so far ahead. It's difficult to to work out what to do. They're not playing the same game anymore. And it's confusing and alarming when you get told several months before Justice League comes out. Oh, don't think about um, conjoined movies anymore. Don't think about these guys being all in a part of us. Like an official statement from Warner Brother DC. This is not going to be a cinematic universe anymore. And people asking jeff does this mean that wonder woman won't be in uh, batman films anymore he's like oh no they'll definitely be in and out of each other's films and it's like right that's that's a direct contradiction what are you talking about this backs up my theory that there's going to be a bunch of unrelated dc property movies released which will then be bound together depending on which one works by flashpoint that's the only real sensible way to interpret that and to look at it in terms of the various roads they could go down and how how to get the best out of those they just need to come out and say hey you know we're you know we we love that you've responded to some of these characters so strongly you know going forward now that we've had justice league we just really look forward to to telling you stories about the characters and we'll see where we go from there yeah like that's that's a simple. You know, it, it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be yeah. all that groveling. It just seems like we're just going to tell you stories about these characters. Hmm. Yeah, and stop just throwing things at the screen. Clear the slate. Rethink what they're doing. 
say, all right, do we really, do we have a Shazam movie here, or are we just trying to put something out with that property because we happen to own the property? Yeah. Yeah. Make an actual plan. <laughs> pare, pare it down. Like, you don't have to have 19 balls they have in the air right now that I, I read earlier. Yeah. 19 balls, and eight of them are Batman related. Yeah. Take a break. Take a break. Think it out. Focus on what you're doing. And then take and then take what works from that and move on. One of the things that I think didn't work about Justice League was that by the time they found out that Beavis Dodge was terrible, they were already making it. Yeah. But think about it, like nineteen balls up in the air. If you did three a year, like Marvel, and Marvel have only just started doing that after years. Like Avengers came out, there was only one in that year. Uh, three in a year that's what six years worth of movies and a bit all in one go like you that's that's enough to last you through to 2024 so yeah just dial it back you've got time you've taken this long already and uh and yeah just focus on just like four really good films that you've got planned just four That'll do. Okay. And there is a Cutting Class episode on Patreon of all the stuff that didn't make it to the final Justice League show. And you can listen to that in conjunction with the deleted material from our Thor Ragnarok show. And a huge thank you to our special patrons this month. Joel Robinson, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finvar Nicole, Abel Savard, Jameis Enright, Mark Lush, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius... Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, David Garcia Abril, Ben Hayes, Kieran Datchler, and Lorraine Chisham. The Princess Thieves is now available in the Kindle store, and The Christmas Thieves will be out next week in book and audiobook form. Hey, Brad, uh, how much did you say Warner Brothers were paying us to paint out Superman's mustache? 25000 Why? Because, uh... I looked at her bank account and is is that twenty five thousand? Holy shit! What? Holy shit, Gary! That's twenty five million dollars. Dollars? How did this happen? I mean, I don't know. You gave him the bill. Let me see that. You do know that when you write the cents in, you're only supposed to put in two zeros? Yeah, but this is 25,000. That makes it three zeros. No, it doesn't. Oh, God, they're gonna kill us. Maybe they think that the job is worth that. Are you fucking nuts? Have you seen the renders? He looks like one of the villagers in Shrek. Shit, man, we gotta do some work. Work my ass. We're gonna take this money and run to Brazil before they realize their mistake. But what about the Justice League? Fuck them. With 25 mil, we could afford our own Justice League. We're Blackjack and Hookers. Brad and Gary were never seen or heard of again. The Justice League movie released with what they had done so far amid growing fears in the industry that the need for real live actors would diminish in the digital age. It didn't. And Mission Impossible 6, starring Henry Cavill's mustache, was a great success.
The last time Ben Affleck teamed up with a bunch of misfits to save the Earth to a cover of Come Together by John Lennon, it was Aerosmith, and he was the young buck in Armageddon. My deepest apologies if that makes you feel as old as it makes me feel. Now this Rotten Tomatoes debacle. Most of you already know about the two-day delayed RT score reveal, and the fact that Time Warner has a 30% share in Fandango, who owns Rotten Tomatoes, which makes the whole thing seem dodgy and corrupt, especially for a site that is ostensibly supposed to be impartial. The take-home was that a lot of people, whether we like it or not, depend on this modern-day Siskel and Ebert binary system of fresh or not. My copy of Spider-Man Homecoming has a certified fresh logo on the back. That's new. It won't be long until those are on the front. And so people need those days on social media to discuss and plan their weekend. They might want to see Ragnarok, 92% freshness, or Paddington 2, 100% freshness. And the hard-working makers of Thor Ragnarok and Paddington 2 obviously want people to be able to judge for themselves by having access to all current information. But if there was a genuine attempt here to cover up just how middling Justice League currently 41% freshness is, it backfired horribly. Because all that clickbaity focus on the score reveal and the claims of corruption in a year that has seen nothing but naked and brazen attempts at this at the highest levels of politics did not help Justice League's box office as the film hasn't done well so far. This is relative to Wonder Woman, a truly high-quality film. And part of the reason for that is the violations of trust that DC Warner keep pulling with general audiences. They pitched us a new Superman who would be for grown-ups. He ended up cold and alien and weird. They pitched us Superman meeting Batman for the gladiatorial event of the century. It made most people feel queasy. They pitched a fun, black, comedic and subversive team-up of villains... They delivered a grotty, trend-chasing, compromised and stupid mess. Bear in mind here, I'm not saying, This is what they promised us and they didn't deliver. I deserve this. I'm not saying I deserve this. I'm saying when you make big, loud promises and you don't keep them, people stop trusting you. On a side note, it took Danny Elfman's humdrum score to really make me appreciate the score for Batman v Superman by... Hans Zimmer and Tom Holkenberg listened to how fucking badass that is by comparison. They pitched us the first major female superhero, a golden princess who would inspire us all. And we were all so collectively tired from being disappointed that she took us by complete surprise by being wonderful. And then they pitched the first meeting of the Justice League. And it is that, but not much more. And everyone is now wondering what all the fuss was about. This is what everyone thought the Avengers was going to be. As I said years back when we went through all those Batman films in 2012, DC needs confidence in their pantheon of heroes. Because if they don't have it, how can they ever expect regular people to have it? That is what they need to learn from Marvel. Any one of these characters can become an A-lister. They just need to stop talking big and focus on bringing them to vibrant life. Give us something to care about. Make good movies rather than good pitches. The protagonists don't have to be perfect. In fact, we'll get along with them a lot more if they aren't. They need to question themselves and their motives and fall afoul of their weaknesses. And they need support casts of people we care about too, even if it's a darker, more twisted tale. 
It doesn't all have to be goody two-shoes, but the ones who are good need to be good. So there's a contrast with the ones who are bad. And the ones in between might end up the most interesting of all. If DC care, we will care. Do better next time. Thank you guys very, very much. Thank this you. Has been, uh, oh, thank you. It's been a fun and measured show. <laughs> so where can people find you? Uh, Brendan. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at BLC Agnew. You can find my uh, written stuff either at normannerd.blogspot.com or at synapse.co. That's C-I-N-A-P-S-E dot C-O. Uh, you can find us at sequentially-yours.com. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at MoonPanther22. And you can find me on Twitter at either just Debbie Morse or best at 8300. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. So uh, we will be back next week with Spider-Man Homecoming. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And school's out.
Can be. 